Welcome to the Courageous Worth Podcast. I'm your host, Empowerment Coach, Ashley Baxter. Every Tuesday, I bring you interviews with inspiring guests to help you live with courageous worth because you are valuable and desperately needed in this world. Today on the Courageous Worth Podcast, I have Nikita Lawrence, the Wealth Success Leadership Strategist. Nikita is a sought-after women's coaching and development expert, best-selling author, coach, and inspirational keynote speaker. She has been featured in Forbes, Thrive Global, HuffPost, Reader's Digest, and more. She is on a mission to show women all around the world how to get unstuck, find their inner wealth, discover their purpose, and unleash their God-given gifts to create new rules to success, wealth, and harmony personally and professionally. She believes everyone has a special gift on the inside of them that can undeniably change the world when they begin to think powerfully, speak purposefully, and take action to become the leader they were created to be. Hey there, it's Ashley. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you're looking to gain more confidence, you can get started today by taking my free short video course entitled Four Mindsets to Deep Rooted Confidence. You can sign up for it at theashleybaxter.com backslash free course. So pause this episode right now and head over to theashleybaxter.com backslash free course to grab your free gift. I'm here with my friend Nikita. We met, we think about two years ago, one a little over a year ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, but yes. at a brand builders group function. And it was, I just remember meeting you and just everything that you were talking about that your business is about. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> like I love all these things. <laughs> and we'll get into that in a second. One fun thing that we were just talking about before is that you live in Chicago and I am jealous of all the snow you get. <laughs> I'm like good riddance. Like I'll pack it up and ship it to you. If yes. Like, all of it was on my back, my back deck. Like you can have it, Ashley. I'll take your beach and your water and your sand. Yeah, we'll just we'll just ship it to each other. I think mine will make it better to you than the snow will. But you know, what? I'm still wanting to take that chance. <laughs> <laughs> and one fun thing about the one of the many fun things about you is that you were a student athlete. So tell us about that. Oh my gosh. So first I want to say thank you for this opportunity. Okay. You didn't have to share your, your stage with me, but when we first met and you told me about your podcast, I was like, Oh my gosh, I love what she's talking about. I would love an opportunity. And that was literally a little, a little over two years ago. And so I'm excited. Um, and student athletes. So I am a bowler (gasps) and some people don't consider bowling a sport. I'm here to say it's a sport. Okay. (laughs) It's a sport. And I've been, I started bowling at like the age of seven. And what's interesting about that is that I'm left-handed. Me too. there we go. There we go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm left-handed, yet I bowl with my right. Oh. I do almost everything else with my right. I write with my left, but do so many other things with my right. And so I'm a right-handed bowler. And I'm pretty good. And so I started at the age of seven and bowled all through high school, was able to receive an academic and also a bowling scholarship in college. And so I did the whole student athlete, travel, go to games, win a awards, try to nail that test or that exam (laughs) and graduate on time. And I was able to successfully do that. And so I don't normally talk about that, but as I was looking at your, your questions, I'm like, you know what? I'm a student athlete. Yeah, you are. Real sexy, but it's a part of my story. 
that I don't talk a lot about. <laughs> I love it. Now, when you go bowling with friends, do you, like maybe when you're going bowling for the first time, do you mention this or do you like let them discover how good you are? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super competitive, right? But I'm not mean. So I'm competitive, but I'm not a mean person. So I do not want to be the one that's like beating down all my friends who do not bowl at the level that I have. And so normally, Bowling is not a recreational thing that we do normally, but when I, when we do go bowling with friends, you know, I'll have to decide, like, am I going to bring my bowling shoes and the bowling bag? I'm not trying to look like the professional here, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, but what do I do? And so sometimes I, I will come bowling, but not bowl. Other times I'll only really do it really quick story. So my husband and I, we were invited to a bowling outing and it was some friends of his that are bowlers, right? Mm -hmm. But they're, they're not like bowlers like me, but they're bowlers. They like to bowl, they love it. And so one of his friends had like emailed me some like smack talk, like, yeah, I can't wait to see you on the lanes. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm a nice person, but I'm gonna let it out. On yeah. <laughs> so we go bowling. And I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to try to, you know, do the whole show off thing. That's not really me. And so we, we bowl a little bit and I'm just kind of halfway trying and not really trying a whole lot. Cause I'm not there to prove I'm the best. I know that I'm great. And so we, we start bowling and one of his friends opens up the smack talk. Now, mm -hmm. Ashley, I'm competitive and I can talk a little trash myself, but I'm not mean. So I'm not going to do it with, you know, a group of like non-bowlers. So, so he's, <laughs> this trash talking and all of a sudden it's like my inner switch like went off and I get focused I've got my little bowling ball here and I think I throw like the next eight strikes in a row right or something like that and so I love so it get invited back to bowling for like four years <laughs> literally that was the last time all of the laughs, all of the talk, like everybody's like, hey, what happened to her? Like, what's, what's going on here? And I was just like, oh, you're smack talking me? Like, I'm just here to have a good time. I'm not even here. I'm trying to blend in. But then when you call me out, I have to show you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You let you try not to. <laughs> you let your moves do the talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun it's fun oh now I I always love if I ever am like watching tv and there's like a bowling competition going on I always love like the whole little like quick back leg thing that someone will do when they I mean it's it's got a finesse to it you know so I totally agree bowling is a sport if you ever need my support you just let me know <laughs> make t-shirts <laughs> I will. I will. I will for sure. <laughs> oh, well, as great of a bowler you are, I know that is not um, the the lane that you chose <laughs> sorry, to pursue as far as a career. And you help women get unstuck to find inner wealth, which, oh my goodness, I just love that statement in and of itself. So where did that passion to empower women in that way come from? Oh my gosh. So for me... 
it started with my own journey. So at the age, I'm a woman of faith. And so at the age of like 17, I decided I would rededicate my life to the Lord. And I would be like what I call saved for real, for real. So I'd stop cursing, right? Because I used to <laughs> let it ride. I'd stop cursing. I'd read my Bible and I would do what I can do to live a life that I felt like was what God was calling me to. And so in that process, I started really seeking my purpose. So here I am, 17, now 18, and I'm super committed to figure out what is my purpose? Why am I here? And knew that I was smart. I knew that I was gifted, that I could be successful in whatever I embarked on, but I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to do the thing I was created to do. So I'm like reading the word. I'm like fasting. I'm praying. I'm like figuring out what is my purpose. And after about nine months of that, I believe God revealed it to me and that my purpose, it was revealed to me by way of a vision. And so I understood that as we seek purpose, we find vision, right? And that vision is what reveals the meaning of our life, the purpose. And so for me, that vision was that I would help women specifically kind of unlock their gifts, really find their wealth, right? And align to their life of purpose, overcoming their fears and the obstacles that were in their way. And so I embarked on this journey where I was like, wow, this is really powerful. This is great. And it didn't look like coaching in the vision. It looked like, you know, like media through like a talk show type of thing. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I'm going to study journalism broadcasting and I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, do this thing. And, <laughs> and so I didn't do that. My school didn't offer that. And so I majored in business. I minored in telecommunicate. Well, I was one class short of a minor in telecommunications. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I, I um, started a career in retail. So I started working for Walmart coming out of school. And that kind of happened accidentally. I actually don't like retail. Like it's not my thing. I never saw myself being in retail. Like retail managers to me always seem stressed out, like overworked, really busy. I'm like, ah really what I want to do. And my plan was to just work as a cashier at Walmart while pursuing my MBA because I wasn't sure how all these pieces would connect together. Right. Mm. And so I go for this interview to be a cashier. And with every question that I answered, the manager was like, oh my gosh, I was getting like elevated, like a promotion. Right. So after the first question, she's like, oh my gosh, we don't want you to be a cashier. We're going to have you work the service desk. So I'm like, oh, all right. That's a little more moolah. Okay. Yeah. And then after <laughs> After the next question, she goes, oh, my gosh, we don't want you to be the service desk. We want to have you be a, a training coordinator. And I was like, OK, that's cool. I could probably do that. Then after the next question, oh, my gosh, we don't want you to do that. We want you to be a market assistant. And I'm like, well, here I am just getting elevated with these yeah. answer. And so the final question I answered, she goes, oh, 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 you have your degree. We need you to be an assistant manager. And it wasn't one of those moments where like the skies opened up and I could hear angels singing. It was like, oh, I'm not about <laughs> this. Like I came here to be cashier only at this store. I didn't intend on going into retail, but long story short, I stumble into retail right by accident and find a career in retail management, then transitioning into human resources, which mm. I loved working with people. Yeah. 
teaching, training, and coaching thousands of leaders, supervising thousands of employees at a really young age. And I understood that, wow, this vision that I had about activating gifts and helping women align into purpose, I was able to experience that through women in leadership, you know, mentoring through different initiatives that I could be a part of. And then I learned that I could become a coach. I was like, wow, like that's a real, like I could be a real coach. That's a real thing. And I got my job. Maxwell certification. And, um, and then I hired a business coach who taught me the business of coaching. And so I saw how this vision at that point, 12 years ago, that for helping women activate their gifts, get unstuck, get realigned to purpose, believe in themselves and their dreams again, and then using all of now my business knowledge, my leadership skills, all the things that I've had to do to succeed in my career, how all of that intersects together together in a way that also helps them align with their faith, right? I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And so that's really where it all began. I love that. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. And I just love how it kept on like building and building and coming together with each little piece. Like, oh, that's just beautiful. I love it. Well, in with working with women, like what are some of the main areas that you see them get stuck in? Oh, gosh, I think the biggest piece of it is in their beliefs about who they are and what's available to them in the world. So we all, based on our experiences and what we, um, the environment that we're in, we have a self-image of ourselves, right? Of how we see ourselves, whether we're powerful or we're inadequate or we're smart or we're right. We have these stories that we have created based on our experiences experiences are based on what was said to us about who we really are. So I call those things like our identity, right? Mm -hmm. And so three of the most powerful questions that I think everyone should be willing to ask themselves at each season of your life are, you know, who am I and, and who, who am I becoming? Why am I here? And what am I building for the future? So when it pertains to really being stuck, often it's it begins at this identity phase of really not being clear about who you are, who you're becoming, and it manifests itself with not knowing what you want. Even being even the simple question of what do you want to go for? Like what do you want to do? What do you want to build? Well, I don't know, Nikita. Well, okay. Well, all right. Well, what do you like? I don't know. Because especially for us as, as moms and wives, we give so much of ourselves to our spouse, to our children, to anybody who's willing. We are the helpers, right? We're willing to help. We'll support. We'll help you do this and that. And along that process, without having a clear sense of purpose and identity, you begin to lose yourself. So I think that, that getting stuck is kind of getting into the monotony of life, but losing the sense of purpose, losing what your dreams are, losing who you are independent of the roles you play or the titles that you hold. We are not our occupation, right? I've worked in HR for several years, but I am not HR. I've worked in HR. I've become a coach in my business, but I am not coach. I'm Nikita. Like the, I'm, I'm a woman, <laughs> I'm a wife, and we. I like to teach Understanding who you are is really based on your character, your beliefs, and your values, right? And your gifts, because each one of us, we have special gifts, things we were born with that we are supposed to use to accomplish our purpose. Sometimes we feel like they're so separated, like we'll have this vision of something 
super amazing. And it's like, but I'm just little me. How can I accomplish this really big thing? Cause I'm just little me, but all of it intersects and everyone has something super special and super amazing that connects to that vision that can empower them to move forward when they see themselves differently and they go after what they want in the face of fear. So it's not like, oh, I'll wait till I'm not afraid anymore, then I'll jump out. No, it's like looking at the fear, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. That's where you get the power to free yourself. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I I believe that so much. I feel that I used to think that being brave or courageous looked like a roaring lion and that you didn't feel any fear. But then I realized that it's no, it's moving forward in spite of the fear. Like that's what I think bravery and courageousness is at its finest. So mm-hmm. I love that you remind women of that and help them with that. Mm-hmm. It's so important because I'm telling you, like we've seen this question, especially in like the life coaching arena, like, what would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid? And it's like, you know, really being committed to every day doing something that makes you uncomfortable it's Mm -hmm. not just the thing it's the series of little steps and one of the things i started practicing even in college was okay i feel really uncomfortable in this i don't know if it's gonna work i don't i may look foolish it may turn out horrible but i'm gonna go after it and i'm gonna see what happens and i'm committed to it right because there's a difference i think especially when it comes to fear sometimes there's like fear of success there's fear of failure and there's fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. and so when you're dealing with this fear of you know failure sometimes it's because you associate yourself with being a failure and not just having a failed experience but when you can begin to isolate and separate like listen this may not have worked out but what have i learned from it how can i be stronger wiser better because of it and then then you can no longer associate yourself with failure and see it as an opportunity to just have a stepping stone to get better and better And so I learned to not just wait for the fear to disappear, but I didn't know I was training myself in something I would have to then teach others. But it was just being able to say, you know what, I have an idea. Oh my gosh, will I make it? Like, will it be successful? It could be. What if it's not? Let's see. Let's go. And the more you practice the muscle of courage, the more courageous you truly become. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All yes to all those things. (laughs) Now, when you like in this arena of, you know, believing in yourself and getting unstuck and all these things, like what breaks your heart the most when you see women that aren't living this way? Oh, gosh, it's that's a super good question. I think what hurts the most is when you can see that the woman has every opportunity to experience what she wants most and she hasn't made the commitment to go after it and that's the only thing keeping her from what she wants most like it's painful to be in a situation where you're experiencing life or and it's not the life that you want and you may be existing but you're not fully present you're not fully living you're and you're making everybody else's world amazing like Um, Some of the key indicators are when you talk to someone and you say, you know, what makes you happy? 
and they say, just seeing everyone else around me happy makes me happy. Like maybe that's a part of it, but let's go deeper. Like what really, what fuels you, what brings you, you know, there's happiness and there's joy. And I believe we need both. Some people teach, I don't want happiness because it's fleeting. I want joy. It's eternal. We need both because we have people who say that and are miserable and are unhappy. So being in a position to not understand that, you know, she holds the keys and that it's not as bad as it seems. And, and it, she doesn't have to stay in that place longer than she is committed to being in that place. That part is hard because it's one thing with, if it feels like it's out of your control, you've experienced this, but my life was hard, but I, but you know, all those, everyone has a story. Everyone has reasons why they are where they are. But when you make a commitment to see yourself as you really are the powerful, strong, beautiful, incredible being that has every opportunity to change the world, but you won't because you're not willing to overcome yourself. That's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, a few things that you touched on in regards to especially women as I think especially like as mothers or wives and in all these different areas. I know that for me, a big part of learning to value myself was in relationship to my faith and how I just poured so much of myself into serving others. It's, and, I, and then I, as I grew further down that road, I realized that as much as I want to do that and that is important, a lot of it was because that's where I was fine. Like you were saying, like that's where you find your identity. Like you describe all these different things and how you help other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think there was this, I'm not saying that anyone told me this, but this was just something that got somehow ingrained in me that it was like wrong and selfish to believe in yourself and care mm-hmm. for yourself. And so I had to rewrite that story. And I learned that when I love myself, that actually then I'm loving and serving other people, not trying to seek to build myself up or validation. And I feel like we actually love people even better in that way. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. I think when we don't really have a healthy image of ourselves and a healthy love for ourselves, then we will seek that love, acceptance, approval through our actions. So we don't just say, yes, we're kind and yes, we're willing to help, but we're also looking for that validation. We're looking for that, like, do you see me? Do you appreciate me? Do you acknowledge me? Am I special? Am I valuable? Can you, you know, can you see me? And that people pleasing is so dangerous because (laughs) at the end of the people pleasing, like, a day you're exhausted and then you can become resentful you're like why are you no like why are you asking me to do you know because you're not caring for you Mm -hmm. and i've learned that when you are able to be at your best then you can be at your best for others right and you can pour and serve from a place of your overflow not from your portion right that is for you but yeah. that takes work and it's easier to be the helper for others because then we don't have to look in the mirror at our own stuff. Exactly. So have, you know, these stories and our, this history that is unhealed and that is unresolved and it's painful. And so rather than addressing it, we avoid it and we just throw ourselves into whatever else is there. But all of those things need to be processed and are absolutely a beautiful part of our story. But reconciling that makes it difficult to be all of what we were created to be utilizing all of our potential. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say to someone who, if you're trying to give them like, Hey, here's the first step to take in this type of work, getting (sighs) unstuck. I think the first step is to 
make a commitment to go on the journey to discovering who you really are. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's making the commitment that, okay, I'm gonna pull back the band-aid, I'm gonna pull back the layers, and I'm going to get into who I am. Who I am really, not who I pretend to be, not who others said I was supposed to be, not who they think I am, who I am really. And I'm gonna take that journey no matter where it takes me, knowing that I'm gonna come out on the other side stronger, wiser, and better, and poised to truly make the impact I desire to make. Because we all seek fulfillment, Ashley, and one of the things I've thought a lot about and that I teach is that, you know, it's not just about success. Like, yes, you can be successful and be miserable. And if you have accomplished success in an an area that doesn't also bring you fulfillment on the other side of it, and you've, you've not created systems and structure to truly live a life of impact and a life of fulfillment, then the success, like it's for other people, right? But it doesn't do anything for you. And with us only having one opportunity at life, like we have one life to live. Now, some people think other things and we're not gonna talk about reincarnation and that <laughs> stuff, but you know, in general, we have one life to live. And none of us know when that moment is gone. And so we only have the present. And I always, I teach that, you know, the future begins now. It doesn't begin in the future. It begins now with every decision choice that we make. And it starts with our thoughts, our beliefs, our words, what we say, and then our behaviors, what we do, what we do every day, not just on the good days, but even on the challenging days. And so it, it begins with making that commitment to understand to love, to honor, and to really get to know who you really are and to take that journey. I love that. Oh, well, Courageous Worth is all about, you know, recognizing your unconditional self-worth. What is a time in your life where recognizing your self-worth was a game changer for you? Oh, this is such a good question. So for me, I share with you that I had started seeking my purpose at like the age of 18, 17, 18. And so I started working for Walmart, as I shared with you, and I was you know, an HR manager and really successful. So I got in all these promotions and I was in this role where I was an um, uh, like HR business partner where I had multiple properties. And so I had a company car and laptop working from home sometimes and making you know great pay, all these things. And um, my desire was to be able to be the best. And so I'm on this journey and I'm like doing it. I'm super committed in my career, but I'm still thinking about my purpose back here. Like, okay, I know purpose, purpose, but I'm really successful in this. And I reached a moment where I felt like I'm giving all of who I am into my career and I'm leaving nothing for the people that matter most to me in my life. And so there was a moment where I had gotten home from work and pretty much in certain positions, like you're always working, you're not off. You don't just get to clock out when you are in certain levels of leadership, you're always on. So you always have your your company phone or your email or whatever it is. And my daughter was young and I was sitting on the couch and I'm home from probably having traveled like in the car three to four hours or more. And I'm just exhausted, right? And she's like, mommy, mommy. And she wants to tell me this um, about her day and this show that she was watching. And she's like, mommy, mommy. And I've got my laptop up. I'm like half asleep. I've got my my work phone on the side and trying to respond and still keep working, still keep doing some things. And finally, she's like, earth to mommy, earth to mommy. 
And I was just like, oh my gosh, like here I am giving my all to this company and the company is going to be okay with or without me. They're going to be able to move on. And yet who it matters most for, right? Like our children, our families, I'm not even present for her. I'm not even available. I'm here, but I'm not here. And I'm so busy giving all of me that I've left nothing for, you know, the pieces that matter most in our heart. And so in that moment, I started thinking like, okay, as much as I would love to say my priorities are like all aligned and it's like, God, family, that wasn't the way that it was set up for me. And so I had to do some some thinking and really some restructuring and to make a commitment that, okay, if I'm giving all of me to this role and yes, I'm successful and yes, I'm above average and yes, I'm winning awards and traveling and training and all these things, um, but I'm not really building my future. Like I'm not really creating a legacy in, in terms of time and assets and resources. Like I've got to shift some things and it's time for me to invest in myself. It's time for me to bet on me and redirect all this energy I'm giving into this company, into the work I was truly created to do, into my purpose and aligning my life in a way where I'm more present and and rebuilding those pieces that became broken in that process. And so that was one of the moments that really shifted things. That was, it must've been, um, at, at a point in like 20, may have been like 2015, um, I believe it was. And at that time I was working full time, you know, I have, had a little daughter. I was in grad school, like Ashley, I was exhausted. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have time for a whole lot of anything. Yeah. I'm like a wife, like mom in grad school, working like a whole lot of hours, like, <laughs> It was a lot. So I had to start to shift some things. And then in January of 2016, I felt like God, um, it was like January 2nd, God woke me up and gave me the the calling to begin to write my first book, um, The Secret of the Wealth Success Chamber. And I was just like, wow. And I had no idea that would become the foundation for my coaching practice today. And that that was a tool that would allow me to not only help other women who were dealing with the burnout and those different pieces, but to realign with their purpose and to truly find their wealth and to prioritize those things that matter the most while also getting their business stuff, you know, in order. And so, yeah. Well, and how do you define inner wealth? Oh my gosh. Inner wealth, I would define as like, your wealth success chamber, right? And so um, your wealth success chamber, I'm going to read it to you because I want to make sure that I get all of this correctly and I don't miss anything. And so I have it in, in my book and like the preface. And so your wealth success chamber is the inner court of the soul and the spirit. It contains the hidden keys to unlock your gateway to destiny, wealth, and success accessed only by discovering and demonstrating the identity, purpose, and vision for your life, unlocking the gift of love that begins inside of you. I love that so much. Oh, well, I know that some people are going to want to connect with you after hearing this. So where can they find you and connect with you? 
So um, you can go to NikitaLawrence.com. So www.NikitaLawrence.com. Anyone that's interested in learning how to maybe do work together can go to NikitaTheMentor.com. That takes you to an application where I'll ask you some questions and we'll hop on a call and see ways that I can support you and uh, taking that next step. You can also purchase my book right from the website at NikitaLawrence.com or from Amazon. Yay. And I'll have links to all of those things in the show notes so people can check them out. And if someone is thinking of getting on a call with you, like what is something that they would be asking themselves right now to know like, yes, I need to do this call? I think they would be asking themselves, um, am I ready to finally experience true fulfillment and purpose in my life personally and professionally? Am I ready to put myself first and learn that it's not unselfish? Am I ready to shift my mindset and think more abundantly about who I am, the world around me, and the impact I was created to make and to stop making excuses for not taking action in my own life? Mm, I love it. Well, okay. Two final questions. I can't believe we're already, I mean, I could talk to you forever. (laughs) Um, But two final questions I love to ask people are one, what is your favorite characteristic about yourself and how do you live that out in your life? Oh, you know what? I have a super great sense of humor. So I I thank God I was born into a family that really um, embraced laughter. And whether it's like corny jokes or stories or even sometimes the inappropriate things that maybe we shouldn't be laughing <laughs> at, like laughter. <laughs> laughter is something that I really learned to embrace. And so I love that I can hear a joke or hear something funny or think of something funny and have this. And my laugh is like, I've been told it's contagious, but it's not sexy. Like, it's not like this cute little like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this like hearty one where like your stomach is hard or your cheeks. Like, that's the way I engage laughter. And I love that because one, they say it burns calories, which I'm all for that. But then two, it just, it it brings me joy to be able to experience that. And you would be surprised how many people don't experience that joy and laughter daily. And so I love that about how I how I exist. And if you're around me when I'm laughing, you'll be at least smiling, okay? By the time I love I'm- it. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same. I love laughing is just, oh, I can't imagine a life without laughter. And yeah, so I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, well, and the last question, if you were given a magical megaphone that you could use and it spoke to everyone in the world, but you could only say one sentence, what would that be and why? This is such a good question. Um, so I wouldn't say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Time's up. Sorry, you used it. No, she- <laughs> oh, gosh, I could laugh about that for like minutes, but I'm going to really hear it so I can answer. Um, I would share just on, on a serious note, um, these three things. So you are a gift, right? You have a purpose and you are empowered to make a difference in the world from this very moment. Mm, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and life and you with everyone that is listening. It's just been wonderful. Thank you for having me, Ashley. It's been such a joy. I've so enjoyed this conversation and appreciate you for allowing me to 
to share, right? Share a little bit more of who I am and what I do. And I hope that there is something that I share that can inspire your people, your audience to live fully, to embrace their courageous worth, right? And to, to take action to be who they were created to be. That wraps up today's episode of the Courageous Worth podcast with me, your host, Ashley Baxter. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a five-star rating and review of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Doing so makes a big impact in this show's message reaching more people. Also, did you know that there's a video version of this episode? Well, there is. Just head over to theashleybaxter.com backslash blog to find it, as well as show notes for this episode. I'm so thankful for you, and I'd love to continue building a relationship with you. So please connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at The Ashley Baxter. If this particular episode was very impactful to you, please share a screenshot of it on your social media and tag me. Until next time, remember, you are valuable and desperately needed in this world.